0: At my worst point, I couldn't even lift up my handbag. I could not flex my arm to lift up my handbag off the floor. Worst thing is when you think that choosing the salad instead of the ice cream will make you a better person, or will make your friends like you more, or will make you better at studying. Taking your time off from the gym doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't make you any more, you know, perfect. It doesn't downgrade any of your achievements. It's just being human. I had an eating disorder and then as terrible as it was to just suffer from that, it was just 100% worse because I was scared of telling anyone about it. I was so scared of telling my friends and my family just because of what they might think. Especially I think with mental illness, it's very easy to think that people will blame you for it. And honestly, if you don't have the support of your family and your friends, then it makes it 100 times harder to actually recover.
1: That was Sarah Rav, I'm Andrew Connect, and this is the Unpretentious Podcast. Sarah is driven to achieve. She already has accomplished much, having over 2 million Instagram followers, and is entering medical school with one of Australia's top scores. Yet her biggest success might be facing her eating disorder and sharing that experience with others. Here is the platform she has to share that message on.
0: I run a couple of Instagram pages. I mean, my main one is Sarah Rav, and that's sort of just a personal page about me and my story, my fitness journey, and also currently my journey of recovery from an eating disorder. Apart from that, I've also got Tasty Hub, which is sort of just like a purely food page where I just post things I'm interested in or like you know the cafes that I've been to around in Melbourne and stuff like that.
1: So a lot of people are on Instagram now. How long have you been on Instagram?
0: I started my personal page when I was in year nine so that's about six years ago and then I started my food page about two years ago.
1: For a lot of people Instagram is kind of a hobby. Are you doing other things or is Instagram the main focus in your life or what's kind of going on?
0: started Instagram as a hobby so at the start it was kind of just like you know a couple of minutes or like hours a day just posting and like scrolling through my feed and stuff it's really taken off so it's become a lot more central to my life you could pretty much call it like a part-time job or maybe even a full-time job other than that I've got med school as well so I'm currently studying undergrad med in Melbourne The whole basis of my personal account is fitness and stuff. So I've also got like a heavy gym gym routine. That's pretty much most of
1: it. Your Instagram, you have combined between your accounts, you have over 2 million followers, correct? So is that something you would consider for a full-time job or why are you also going to med school? Sounds like a busy life.
0: It's really busy. During like semester, I mean, I do not go out. The last time I watched a TV show was some holidays maybe. Mm-hmm. It's what I love to do because Instagram was always a hobby and ever since I was young, I've always wanted to be a doctor. That aspiration hasn't changed and that motivation hasn't changed. Honestly, the fact that Instagram has taken off and the fact that I focus a lot on fitness and being healthy really ties in with med school because I think that Maybe it's just like my desire to help people, like, because that's always why I wanted to become a doctor, right? It's just hmm. to like offer advice to people who need it or people who are in pain, people who have an illness. And so that's why I'm still doing med alongside this full time Instagram thing.
1: That's so cool. If you don't mind kind of diving into your personal story, tell us about the eating disorder. Like, what do you think fed that? And then how did you break the cycle? I
0: and mean, unfortunately, I guess, like, because I was so into health and fitness, it, it sort of resulted because of that like you know I was staring all day at what being fit is supposed to look like But you scroll through your Instagram feed and it's just picture after picture of girls with abs or girls with like fat stomachs and stuff like that and also looking at all those nutrition and food pages that drive in the message that like oh junk food is really bad for you oh you can't have ice cream oh there's this many calories in this and that's going to make you gain this much weight and so I guess we got a little bit obsessive and restrictive with my food and what I was allowed to eat or not. So for me, it was I was a little bit of an atypical case because I never had the intention of losing weight. It was more so that I was really controlling. You know, I controlled exactly 100% what I would eat. I weighed it to the gram. Like I said, this is how much exercise I'm gonna do and I have to do it even if I'm dead tired, even if I have no energy left. Because of how much exercise I was doing and because of how much I was limiting my food intake, obviously, you know, I lost a ton of weight. So much so that I pretty much put my life in danger. Mm. At my lowest, I was 30 kilos, which is a BMI of 10. I guess being diagnosed with an eating disorder was the biggest wake-up call for me. And since then, you know, I've been working to sort of change the misconceived dangerous thoughts that I have towards food and exercise as well as you know, the physical side of putting on weight. The mental process that I'm going through trying to change these thoughts is also what I wanna share with my followers because obviously they are exposed to just as much information as I was and it can just be so easy to pick up that misconception or that restrictive thinking.
1: Being healthy is obviously a good goal. Looking at nutrition is a good goal and then you're saying, There's a way in which it went too far. How did that occur and what are the...
0: Yeah, like the warning signs, I guess. Is that what... what... The thing is restrictions. It's perfectly fine to know that broccoli is healthier than ice cream. But when you find that you literally cannot have ice cream or that you actually feel scared before having ice cream Mm. because you're scared of what it will do to you, Or like anxious, anxiety is a big thing. Then that's when it gets a little bit abnormal. When you're turning down, going out with friends because you're scared or you don't know what they're going to have for dinner or, you know, you can't control everything that goes on your plate or when you are missing uni because you're not sure if you're going to be able to fit in two hours of gym that afternoon because you have a lecture that goes too late or something. It's when you let it control you that you have to sort of take a step back and realize that, yes, it's good to be healthy, but it's all about balance, really.
1: It sounds like it started off where this was a means for you to control your life, like you had... Yeah. right. And then all of a sudden it became the thing controlling you, so did you kind of have any observations about how something that was supposed to give you control ended up taking away control from you?
0: Honestly... I know with eating disorders and anxiety and things, a lot of people find that it generally gets worse when they feel that they're losing control in other aspects of their life. People become a lot more restrictive or a lot more anxious when they feel overwhelmed and they feel like they're not coping with other things in their lives. I know you mentioned that it was controlling me, but also at the same time, it was the only thing that I could control Mm -hmm. because there was a lot of other crap going on in my life at that time. I do see what you mean though by like the fact that it did control me but I have no idea how it came like that. I would assume really just long-standing process that happens ever so slowly day by day.
1: It sounds kind of like what I'm hearing is like one of the warning signs might be when what you eat or your fitness isn't just related to fitness but in your mind you're making connections with other areas of life that it's going to solve these other problems.
0: Exactly and the worst thing is when you think that choosing the salad instead of the ice cream will make you a better person, or will make your friends like you more, or will make you better at studying—I don't want to say being unhealthy—but like indulging or taking time for yourself, taking time off from the gym doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't make you any more, you know, perfect. It doesn't downgrade any of your achievements. It's just being human. If that makes sense.
1: It does, and it sounds kind of like you're saying that processes you're spending so much time looking, like you know, scrolling or looking at health and fitness you're then connecting these thoughts why was my friend not kind to me today oh i know it's because i had i somehow that starts to form in your mind
0: yeah and of course me myself writing a fitness blog it was like oh my followers expect me to be perfect my followers expect never have i yeah do like do you know what i mean so i guess that was the added pressure after sharing my journey and everything overwhelming support like you realize like yeah no they they don't expect you to be perfect 100 of the time they know that you're allowed to take rest days and you're allowed to have what you actually like
1: to eat. To back up and kind of put this in a timeline form, like you started in 09, which you were, what, 14 at that time. And when did you get to like 200,000 followers?
0: About the end of year 12, so three years after that.
1: At this very young age, good for you. You're not eating, a, like, you know, you're so healthy. Like that, they're kind of forming this yeah. identity process. Yeah. Arre- yeah. And so now it kind of sounds like you're kind of coming out the other side where it's like you want to speak to other women or guys who mm. are in similar situations, letting them know, that, hey, this is just part of your life, and here's kind of my experience the good yeah. and the bad of what fitness can do.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, like, you know, this is what I'm going through. This is how I, this is what, this is, I guess, how it became such a problem for me, and it doesn't need to be a problem for you. You don't have to fall into the same trap that I did. I'm also trying to open up the conversation about mental health. Any mental illness is highly, highly stigmatized, which I hate because mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that way. I had an eating disorder and then as terrible as it was to just suffer from that, it was just 100% worse because I was scared of telling anyone about it. I was so scared of telling my friends Mm -hmm. and my family just because of what they might think. Especially I think with mental illness, it's very easy to think that people will blame you for it. And honestly, if you don't have the support of your family and your friends, then it makes it 100 times harder to actually recover.
1: And so, what I'm hearing you say is one of the important steps out of eating disorder or maybe any mental health problem to make it more broader is being able to open up to others that you're close to.
0: 100%. As soon as I told my friends and family, they were so supportive. They didn't, there was not one ounce of judgment. And it was the same with Instagram. I kept it hidden for a long time. I mean, a lot of people could tell I was losing weight. They commented and everything, but I never said anything about it until the one day that I did. And since then, the support has just been. 100 percent positive there's nobody out there that's blaming me for it and you can't blame someone for a mental illness just the same as you can't blame someone for having like broken their leg so i'm just really trying to also raise awareness about that not just like an eating disorder but anxiety you know depression and all that stuff mm. as well is really important to talk about just to sort of break the stigma surrounding it the
1: four picture there is like you know you have a, I, I like that analogy of like you have a broken leg people aren't saying no what did you do to break your leg it was like maybe you're playing sports it's like so what <laughs> right it's you have a broken leg we need to work on this and it's not that big of a deal it's just part of life how do you kind of balance that with do you view like taking responsibility for I am in control of this as an important step or how do you kind of view that discussion
0: so I guess that's where it's different right the thing with mental illness is that recovery is sort of 100% up to you obviously like right. let's say let's say you have you know a bacterial infection you can just take antibiotics at the same time with a bacterial infection you still have to want to get better you still have to want to take those antibiotics and it's the same with a mental illness you have to want to recover from it obviously you can you know you can see psychiatrists you can see a psychologist mm-hmm. yeah that's good and that'll help but you still 100% have to want to recover and have to work to recover because it's it's only you that's going to be able to pick up on those misconceptions, those dangerous thoughts, and think, hang on, that's not right. I need to stop thinking like this.
1: It sounds like that's part of the tricky part of this conversation, where it, if you see someone who's lumping around with a broken leg, it's probably not that hard to convince them to go to a doctor and let's start beginning this process. Whereas if someone came to you before you were ready and said, hey, I think you have an eating disorder, you'd be like, how dare, like, don't judge yeah, me. This is...
0: Exactly, exactly. But at the same time, is that because the person is scared of having an eating disorder? Like there's such a stigma around an eating disorder that they're like, oh, hang on. I don't want to be labeled as this. Whereas Mm. that was me at the start. You know, my friends were like, "You maybe you should see a GP and stuff. And I was like, stop attacking me. I'm fine. And that was probably just because I was scared. I guess like I just resented them for thinking I had one because it was such like a bad label. Now it's sort of like, well, actually, I did have one. And actually there's nothing wrong with having one as long as I'm trying to get better from it.
1: And that's part of where the stigma comes from because no one identifies themselves I'm a person with a broken leg or I had a broken leg that I recovered from, but when it's mental health it very much feels personal to your mind which is maybe more who you are than your physical body.
0: Yeah, exactly, hmm. exactly. And I guess it's always going to be like a part of you. With a broken leg, you recover from it and then your bones are completely healed, but with a mental disorder, I'm sure, like, as many people say, like, there are still times when it sort of resurfaces and you sort of have to attend to it again.
1: How do you kind of view that now? or Is victory a word you use over that? Or is it like you're saying it's more of an ongoing thing, so you don't really think in those terms? of Like, it's something I had and now I'm past?
0: I don't know. Like, I've talked to friends with eating disorders, and one of them said that she just was recovered when she got her period back. Mm. Actually, to me, I don't really know... How you can mark recovery or victory. Currently, I'm at a normal, I'm back in the normal healthy range for weight. My attitude towards food is a lot healthier in the sense that I'm not restrictive, I don't get scared or I don't sort of compensate for indulging in stuff that would be considered unhealthy. But mm. it's still in my head. If I'm having pancakes, I know that it's less healthy than if I had ordered vegetables or something. So like, I guess, I don't know, like, does that mean that I'm recovered yet or not? But the main difference to me is that I can actually enjoy those pancakes. Before, if I had to eat pancakes, there would be so much guilt, there would be so much anxiety, there would be so much shame after having eaten mm. these pancakes. Whereas now it's like, cool. Well, I mean, I had pancakes. I'm allowed to have pancakes. I enjoyed that. And that's that, that's done. I'm not thinking about it anymore. Does that make sense?
1: It does. From a male perspective, I don't know that I've ever really felt guilt towards what I've <laughs> yeah. eaten. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm sure guys have. Like, I'm sure it's not just as black and white as, you know, it's only yeah. only a problem for women. Oh,
0: 100%. In fact, the incidence of eating disorders and body dysmorphia amongst men is rising dramatically. I think also that needs to be
1: addressed. Yeah, where things are shifting, where now guys are becoming much more image conscious. and It's not something- just a
0: female thing, yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, maybe maybe it'd be helpful for you to describe kind of like, did you kind of see stages in what you went through and then kind of help us understand like how extreme it was for you? When did you finally decide to get help and realize it, w- it was an issue? Like how much of an impact had it had on your life at that yeah. point?
0: So I definitely can see the progression of uh, like mid 2017, you know, I didn't think I had a problem, but then. Towards the end, I started restricting. In my head, I know exactly how we got to that. Let's say one day I got really busy and then I skipped breakfast in the morning because I had to rush off. Then the next day I would be like, oh, hang on. I skipped breakfast yesterday. So why can't I just do it today? You know what I mean? Like I was fine yesterday. Mm. So obviously I can just do it today. And then turns out I was just skipping breakfast for the rest of that. And then one day I'd miss a meal or, and then I'd say, well, I missed a meal yesterday and I was fine. So why can't I do it today? Same with same with exercise. Oh, I ran 10K yesterday, so why can't I do it today? Oh, I ran 17K yesterday, why can't I do it today? So it was sort of just like, if I could do it once, I should be able to do it again. And then there was always that guilt or that shame when I didn't do it.
1: So you were constantly raising your standards. Exactly, like-
0: And I think that sort of comes from like perfectionist sort of mentality as well. I wasn't content. And I don't know if that was just because, like, other things that were happening in my life, so I had to be content with what I could control. And then in terms of how I knew I had a problem, I, I mean, like, I kind of always knew, but what forced me to get help was because I saw my GP after six months. I'm not seeing her. She saw me and she, was, she weighed me, had a BMI of 10, and she was like, you need to go to the hospital. Like, you need to present yourself to ED. What people don't realize is that when you're really thin, it's not – I mean, you look unhealthy, but you don't actually realize what's unhealthy about it. It's the fact that like at that that weight and with that low of a calorie intake, my heart could have stopped at any time. My kidneys could have failed at any time. I was still alive and I felt fine because I'd been like that for the past six months. From Mm -hmm. a totally like objective physiological point of view, I was like, it could like one day I could have just not woken up.
1: Six months is pretty rapid, but still gradual enough.
0: Because you get used to it. I was used to being so tired. I was used to being so mm. energy depleted that it felt normal to me. So, you know, whenever anybody asked me, like, do you feel tired? Do you feel you aren't focused and stuff? I was like, no, I feel fine. I I'm not sick, but actually, like compared to how I feel now, I'm like, what was I doing? Literally, <laughs> how was I even surviving?
1: So if you did feel tired or lack of energy, well I know what'll make it better, not eating another meal because then I'll feel better about myself. It's that was how you would st- Yeah, like mm.
0: yeah, exactly, exactly. And of course it was gradual, you know, you don't it's not sudden. You don't feel yourself getting sicker. It's just That you are getting sugar.
1: Most people aren't gonna know, well, my heart could stop at any time, right? They're not, like, that's not really quantifiable apart from a doctor telling you that. How would an average person know that they might be experiencing something this extreme or even starting this?
0: Yeah, I was pretty bad, right? I was getting chest pain. That's a big one because my heart was just, it was trying to keep pumping, but it didn't have a lot of energy to do that. So that's sort of when you get chest pain. Another big one is if you stand up too quickly and you feel dizzy. I was really bony. So I couldn't sit on chairs or in bed without, like, bruising my coccyx. Hmm. So once you get to that stage, it's a little bit of a red flag.
1: And were you able to, like, lift heavy things?
0: No. At the worst point, at my worst point, I couldn't even lift up my handbag. I could not flex my arm to lift up my handbag off the floor.
1: How heavy are we talking the handbag? That sounds very light. Yeah,
0: like, you know, like, like <laughs> literally, like, a, like, a, like I don't put that much in my handbag. <laughs> it's not that wow. big. Um, I couldn't open, like, car doors and stuff.
1: Wow. And in that state, you're still running multiple miles a day?
0: Now that I think of it, I was like, how the frick did I do that? I was running, like, 20 kilos. And then I come home wow. and I wouldn't be able to open my, my front door. I was like, how? <laughs> how? But like, I guess the human body is just freaking amazing in a good way and a bad way at the same time.
1: So cardio was, that was primarily about losing weight?
0: No, it wasn't. It wasn't even about losing weight. It was just, hey, I did 19 kilometers yesterday. Why can't I do it today? And then if I didn't do it, I'd be like, why couldn't you do it? Like that's such a, fa- like you failed. If that makes sense. It wasn't even like in my mind, it wasn't like I have to run 19 kilometers so I don't put on weight. It was, I did it yesterday. Uh... If you don't do it today, well, then you just failed. No, that's why I was an atypical case because obviously when you're th- when you're talking about anorexia nervosa, you're saying that's actually a desire to lose weight. So I was that's why I was atypical, but
1: you know it's, it's still an eating disorder. Okay, and so I see that's interesting. So then for you, were you posting about how many miles you ran a day? No,
0: at that point, because of like because as I said, like my followers knew that I was so underweight. I took a bit of time out and I just didn't post about myself during that time because there was a lot of backlash and they knew they were like, Oh, you look really thin and stuff. So I, I was like, mm, I don't want to post, I don't want them to sort of target me.
1: This was all intrinsic internal pressure you put upon yourself. Yeah. This wasn't yeah. mainly done to like impress your followers, like another day, another miles. It oh. wasn't that. <laughs> it was, tr-
0: yeah, it was, yeah, it was very intrinsic, I
1: guess. What is your opinion from maybe a mental health aspect on social media? That's
0: the thing. Like social media is there's pros and cons. I mean, obviously It's been proven again and again to sort of lower self-esteem especially when you compare yourself to you know like your all your social media influence sometimes their whole job is just to look good and so obviously you can't compare yourself to that because you've got other stuff going on I think there's sort of a movement towards body positivity and sort of that sort of image and you know there's a lot of accounts on Instagram especially out there that are trying to like break the myth that you know, everyone's life on social media is perfect, so in that sense, that's good. Mm-hmm. And also, also, like, you know, there's a lot of good information out there, so I, like, you can't just it's not 100% terrible.
1: So what would kind of be your, like, tips or ideas for how to approach social media from a healthy aspect, you know, kind of ranging from the 14-year-old girl who's just getting on there, and it's all the way up to someone like yourself, where it's like, this is actually a legitimate way I can make a, a career or money if I chose to do that.
0: Firstly, like for somebody that's just sort of spectating and somebody who's just sort of scrolling, I'd say, look, it's fine to have goals. It's fine to have inspirations. You also have to realize that there is so much more to you and there is so much more to life than just looks and just having what they – deem as like the ideal life just from what they post on social media like and the other thing is also like you sort of just have to accept yourself and or be happy with yourself it sounds really cringe and stuff but like that's sort of just the way you have to look at it there is so much more to you that and although you might not be the exact same as your social media idols I'm sure there are like many things about you that people appreciate and then people like and that you should like yourself. Coming from someone like me, if you're trying to be a social media influencer, or I think the biggest thing is just being real about it. Don't don't sell yourself out. Don't create an image of yourself that isn't actually what you are because at the same time, if you do that, then you feel pressure to maintain that image. And then the fact Mm -hmm. that it is an image and it's not you actually – well, then that's gonna that, that's just going to eat you up inside because you're getting all these likes and you're like, oh, this photo of me did so much better because I had a shit ton of makeup on or something. And then suddenly, mm. oh, but if I didn't have makeup on, you know, I wouldn't get any likes. You, you shouldn't try to be something that you're not because you get caught into thinking that your followers only like you for who you're pretending
1: to be rather than who you actually are. That's got to be really tough for someone who does notice when...
0: Like, I notice so, as well. Yeah, like, you know, if I'm wearing a certain thing, then that's going to get more likes. But, well, I don't wear that every day. You just have to be okay with it. You just have to be like, well, who cares if I get 20K likes as opposed to 10K?
1: For the goal-driven person who... This was something that maybe started as fun, but now I'm legitimately going to try to make money off of posts. Yeah, It's their livelihood. They've got a lot more of their identity wrapped up in it. It doesn't appear as simple as just well maybe I'll get less likes it's like that's also how I try to pay for you know rent now so how would you further convince someone that it's worth the cost of truly being you rather than maintaining an image
0: I think promos do a lot better when you're genuine anyways because I work with a lot of brands and I know that like some, some brands would just say like this is what you have to post. This is exactly the caption you have to use. You have to stand like this. You have to be wearing this. Some brands, like Some brands do that. That's fine. But like I find that the promos I do with brands that are like, hey, you know what? We're going to send you the product. If you like it, feel free to post about it. Like that's fine if you use it. And even the brands that I actually do use before I even like reached out to them to work with them, I find like those promos do a lot better because it's not it's not forced. You are, like I actually like the product and I actually know what to say about it because I personally know the benefits mm. of it. And also it just comes across as a lot more genuine and that tends to do a lot better with the followers because like as I said before, you know, they're not they're not stupid. They know when you're pushing something and they know when you're actually sharing something because
1: you use it sounds like you kind of get to choose the brands you work with where if you start working with one set of brands well then you're thinking that's how everything works and you never have this opportunity to truly be yourself and express what you believe about it
0: and also it's like a, it's a much better collaboration if you're working with brands that you like because well they send you the products and it's like you actually use them which is great
1: <laughs> right if you're
0: not if you you know like if it's just a totally random brand that you wouldn't use otherwise it's a job sure but like at the same time you don't actually get any benefit out of it
1: one thing I've noticed on your Instagram, some people's Instagram, it's 100% photos of just them, right? Yeah. Which is fine. It's like that people are interested in your life, what's going on. I want to see what you're doing every day. Was it intentional that you kind of expanded your channel beyond like, let's hear about other people's mm-hmm. transformation stories or how did that kind of come about?
0: To be fair, my life isn't that interesting that I could post about it every day. So, like that—that's one of the big, like, that's one of the big problems. But also, like, yeah, like everybody's story is different. Like, there's no one version of being healthy. There's no one version of living the best mm. life you can. There's what I'm doing, but also, there are so many people out there doing just as amazing things, and that—and I think that sort of needs to be shared as well. If we go back to like primordial prevention, you're trying to reach as large of an audience as possible to prevent mm. disease. As much as possible right and if I'm just appealing to girls who are trying to gain weight that's great but you know that's not going to stop people who are suffering from cardiovascular disease or people who are suffering from obesity sharing other people's stories allows me to reach a larger audience and still drive home that message of this is how you prevent disease this is how you live your best life
1: that's an interesting focus because I don't know how many instagram like you know preventing disease that's (laughs) that sounds very medical
0: yeah look you you say yeah okay so like i mean like that is the end goal (laughs) obviously it's not quantifiable you know it's not like oh i follow this account and i was gonna get i was gonna i was gonna gonna get a heart attack but because i followed this account and i listened to her i didn't get a heart attack obviously it's not quantifiable right right? but like i'd like to think that's what i'm sort of helping to do
1: do you think having success led to you saying, what am I going to do with it? Or did this come about after you're like, I have an eating disorder. How can I help other people? Or how did this Mm. idea or theme come about?
0: I, well, I've always wanted, like I said, like I've always wanted to help people like be the best, I guess, and, like be the best they can be sort of, you know, live the optimal life. After the eating disorder, it's drove home a lot more in the sense that I want to use my account to actually help people.
1: There's a natural progression to now it's becoming part of your medical school life is continuing that journey that you began kind of subconsciously and it. That's really cool. So what's your med school experience like? Do people there, do people know, oh, she's got 1.2 million followers?
0: I feel like a lot of people hear about me before I meet them. And then sometimes it can get a bit awkward. Otherwise, I don't really bring it up. Like I'm never one to, I hate when people follow me. That I know, do you know what I mean? because then it's, it's, just, yeah. it's just awkward. Like, I don't like when people are like, oh, I follow you, I'm like, please don't. <laughs> um, just so then, like, we don't have to talk about this in person. Apart from that, most people know, I guess. Not, not from me. I don't tell anyone about it. I like, I try to keep it secret if I can.
1: That's what I'm curious about because usually medical school people are very driven, highly intellectual. But even for them, the pool of, oh my goodness, do they treat you differently? Or do you feel if once they know?
0: See, yeah, see, that's why I don't like telling people because I don't want people to just be friends with me because they think they get stuff from my Instagram account.
1: Follow me, feature me in a post. Yeah, you know, yeah. like
0: tag me or like take me out to brunch or like take me to promo. <laughs> that's sort of why I don't bring it up. I'd rather have them as a friend first and then be like, oh, hey, by the way, I don't feel like people treat me differently, no. Just because I don't. Like I said, like I don't bring it up that much. It hardly ever comes up in conversation. I'm pretty lucky in the sense that I do get promos at like cafes and stuff and I can take my friends to them. They don't expect to be taken out. They don't expect to be given free stuff.
1: Cool that you're intentional about it because a lot of people kind of like you were describing like the, you know, the running or the eating disorder it became about how to manage other areas of their life. From an outside perspective, it seems like a lot of what people are looking for on Instagram is This will make me famous and will give me friends.
0: Well, are those really your friends then? If, you know, they're friends with you because you're Instagram famous? That's my question.
1: Exactly. If you don't have friends, you're not willing to ask those questions. At least someone thinks I'm cool and they're, so what if they're, quotes, unquote, using me for these other things? At least I'm now living this life I've always dreamed about. Yeah, that's
0: true. They don't really, yeah, yeah, I get that.
1: There are there any areas or like things where you're like, this is something that we didn't really touch on that like, you want to get across?
0: The final thing that I want to say is like, if you're interested in social media, if you have something passionate about that you want to post about on social media, like hundred percent go for it. That's what I think. Cause like, I feel like a lot of people, again, like it's not really a stigma, but you know, like I, definitely like the older generation, like if somebody says, oh, I want to be an Instagram influencer, your parents like my Mm. parents are just like what like no be a (laughs) doctor obviously like actually my parents are really cool about it they don't care what i do as long as i'm happy obviously some Mm. parents do care in my head i think if you actually have like a passion you want to post about it like 100 percent, do it but do it as a hobby and don't do it as a job if you do it as a job then You're going to hate it very quickly. But if you do it because you love it and you don't expect anything from it, then it could be something, but it can also just keep being a hobby for you.
1: Help me understand that further because a lot of people, they want it to be their job because it gives them freedom and the ability to not work a traditional job. So why to you are you kind of saying a little different where it's like, keep this as something that's fun and it's part of life, but not your career or your job?
0: Don't start it with the intent of being like, this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. This is going to make it, I'm going to make it big business. Because if you don't, you're going to resent it. Do you know what I mean? Like, if, Mm. if you don't, which obviously, like, it's hard. Like, it's not, you're not going to become, like, not everyone is going to make it as a social media influencer. And if that, if you put, if you set, like, your heart and your mind on it and you don't, then you're going to resent, like, travel, for example. You're going to be like, well, I loved it, but it didn't make me famous. So now I hate it start it because you love it and keep doing it because you love it, but don't expect too much from it. And I think that's the same with me. Like because as a kid, I was super, super, super into sport. Like I did gymnastics. I did cheerleading. I did swimming. I did diving. I did everything just because I loved it. Except every single time that my coach made me start competing, I just Mm. hated it after that. Every single sport I would quit because my coach was like, you should start competing. And as soon as I started competing, it was just, it was not fun anymore. I hated it. And I think that's sort of like the same.
1: So just from curiosity, what has it been like where it's like, oh my goodness, 200,000, oh my goodness, 1 million. What's that experience been like just on a personal level?
0: Honestly, I feel like I don't register it. I see like all my Instagram friends and stuff, like they hit 400K and their friends get them balloons. You know, They go out for dinner and they have this huge party. You know, like when I hit one mil, I don't think anybody realized. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure I had to tell my boyfriend at the time. (laughs) I was like, oh, hey, by the way.
1: It, It seems like your personality type is very much driven by internal standards
0: and that comes across in like my studies as well like my parents have always been like oh nah, do whatever you want do what makes you happy i was still like on the day that i got my atar which probably means nothing to you but it's like your high school score
1: Mm -hmm. yes
0: like when you graduate from high school you get this score compared to everybody else in the country right i got the second best score in the in the country
1: wow and
0: you know what I spent that whole day crying because I didn't get the best score I don't share this with people because they'd be like what is wrong with you I spent that whole day crying because I didn't get the best score now that I think of it I'm like how stupid was I I got the second best score and I like I was upset about that I should have been happy about that essentially so I guess you're right it's very internal it's it's a very internal drive my parents like what is wrong with you why are you crying We are so
1: happy. I've heard that from people, like, they'll be number one, and then they're crying because it's like, this is what it feels like. This is all there is. Now what? Now what? Like, I've achieved this.
0: Oh, okay. Fair enough.
1: Like, even the first place person may have been like, oh, no. Like, this is terrible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: maybe. Maybe. You still don't buy that. Okay. we will never know. Well, that is a slightly different thing. That wasn't you just wanted to reach a certain objective score. That was you wanted to... Surpass your peers, so that was a little more external focus there. Then I guess,
0: but even like it wasn't even that. i It was just because I worked so hard for it. That was just Mm. my goal. I I knew I was going to get into med anyways. It was just I just wanted that score, and again, Mm. it was like I set my mind to it, and then I was like, I was fixated on it. Does that make sense?
1: It sounds like you're a very driven person. That if you set your mind on something, one hundred percent. So it's relaxing, like the world's hardest thing for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this year my goal has sort of like been actually do stuff for myself Mm. so the hardest thing for me is actually like finding a hobby because I can't sit down and watch tv or I never used to to sit down and watch tv and actually enjoy it because in my head I was like hang on I could be studying right now hang on I could be working right right now what I've allowed myself to do I've actually said well hang on you need to take time for yourself and you need to do stuff that makes you happy not (laughs) stuff that just puts you ahead
1: I mean people probably already know where to find you and I can link you but what's the Instagram accounts they can follow on if they're like I want to hear more about your story or kind of follow along your journey
0: yeah so my main one is Sarah Rav so Sarah, S-A-R-A-H Rav R A V. the other one is tasty.hub so tasty as in the word and then full stop H-U-V
1: and we touched on that less but that's the one where you're sharing more like food and
0: yeah because yeah. I am a big foodie at heart so I do share a lot of like, just like food porn and
1: stuff very cool i appreciate you taking the time to share and like open up about your experience and hopefully others will hear that and be helped
0: all i hope is that like you know it resonates with at least one person that's good that's good
1: enough for me hey, all those feelings of depression and doubt you gotta tell them go away you gotta say get out the way and let them know that hey, you can't stop it now hear more stories like Sarah's you can check out the past episodes or subscribe on Instagram or your podcasting app to hear future ones